With hits like Norwegian Wood by the Beatles and Eight Miles High by the Birds, it might seem like Ragarock, the East meets West subgenre combining rock music with Indian influences, is a simple genre to put together. But before these songs hit the airwaves, the Yardbirds were in the studio struggling to make sitars sound cool. In 1965, renowned racist and COVID denier Eric Clapton left the Yardbirds. The band was moving towards playing the more experimental pop music of the era, while Clapton just wanted to play the blues. Perhaps the harpsichord that featured prominently on their previous hit, For Your Love, was the last straw for the future blues breaker. Guitarist and generally cool dude Jeff Beck was brought in to take Clapton's place, and the band set out to work on a new single that would feature a sitar as a sort of spiritual successor to the harpsichord on For Your Love. A professional sitar player and tabla player were brought in for the first session, but the band was dissatisfied with the resulting sound. It was fine in principle, but while the tablas sounded okay, the sitar just wasn't up front enough. It just didn't cut through, said drummer Jim McCarty. Beck stepped in to replace the sitar, writing a new riff and putting it through a fuzz box, making the Yardbirds' new single one of the earliest popular songs to use this style of effect. Quote, the sitar player couldn't get the 4-4 time signature right. It was a hopeless waste of time. So I said, look, is this the figure? I had the fuzz machine, a tone blender, going. We did one take. It sounded outrageous. So they kept the tabla player who could just about make it work. They rushed that out, and the rest was a roller coaster ride, said Beck. Beck's contributions on the track are notable for helping to usher in the ragga rock and psychedelic rock subgenres, combined with Keith Relf's vocals, Graham Goldman's songwriting, and the pop powerhouse skills of the Yardbirds as a whole, the song became one of the band's biggest hits. Last week on Cover Me, we discovered that the Birds invented psychedelic rock with the release of their hit song, Eight Miles High, in 1966. This week on Cover Me, we discovered that Jeff Beck invented it a year earlier with the Yardbirds. That's right, we're talking Heart Full of Soul on Cover Me. Sick and hot and lonely Deep in dark despair Thinking one thought only Where is she? Tell me That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one would never make her sad. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my lonely co-host, Alex Mildenberger. <laughs> Alex. Oh. oh. How you doing, pal? I'm here. I'm here for you. It's going. It's going. You know. Oh, bud, you know, don't no, you? No, things are no, things are going pretty good actually. Hey, right you on. You know, I I just I was away last week, so um had some vacation time, off work a little bit, just kind of getting back into the swing of things. Oh, the time yeah. changed also. So That's getting right. used to that, you know, but pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's good stuff, Alex. Good to hear it. Glad to hear it. The weather's warming up here. I don't know about in Calgary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is um, pothole season. Yeah. Pothole season. That's where you tuck away in the little hole and get baked, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's... I mean, we... uh, The holes exist because of the weather changes, so there's big holes you can crawl into. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and you just uh, light up. Yeah, Canadian custom to light yeah. up in big holes. Um, pothole season. Yeah, I guess it's pothole season here too, maybe. I don't know. And anywhere it was cold and is warm now. Now is pothole season. Yeah. Well, the more you know, Alex. Um, Alex, turns out we, we were doing a theme month about psychedelic rock and avian named bands. Yeah, accidentally. <laughs> accidentally, we, back to back. We're doing it. Um, and we're learning, I think. I'm learning. 
Mm-hmm. Some interesting stuff. I mean, we're talking about the Yardbirds today. Uh, we're talking about kind of psychedelic, like proto-psychedelic rock, because this, yeah. this raga rock style is is influential on that, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's and interesting the Yardbirds stuff. are interesting as well. This is just, there's so many interesting things, and, like, this song touched so many people and, like, on things that are important for other things you know yeah it's so weird to like because we kind of just picked this you're like well here there's this Yardbird song yeah that it's, has it's one that on i know it. and there's a bunch of covers of it yeah and of course we're talking about this because jeff beck recently passed yeah. two or three months ago and we're just now getting around to it but uh, it was uh january 1st so like january just 1st. at the beginning of the year yeah and so, yeah, it's not only like a Yardbird song, but the first Yardbird song with Jeff Beck and one mm-hmm. that he has like a very clear influence on. Yeah, because they were trying to get this sitar to work. They decided they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And and then did it. he did it on his guitar. You know, that's more in his style, right? Yeah. Um, but it's so it, like the things that it touched on, because like it, even we're talking about that um that sitar player supposedly jimmy page was there like in the studio at the time that's right and he bought that um that sitar and then used it later like that was the sitar he owned yeah from that recording Uh, supposedly the effects the fuzz effect was also borrowed from jimmy page Mm. uh, because jeff beck and jimmy page were kind of friends or acquaintances right at the time and even like G- jeff beck replacing eric clapton in the yardbirds was supposedly they went to jimmy page first and he said well i know this other guy who can do it <laughs> like i'm busy or whatever okay and then they both end up there is a time that they were both guitarists in the yardbirds yes and i even once heard that maybe it was a joke mm-hmm. but that Led Zeppelin was at one point going to call themselves the new Yardbirds or something like that. I did read like a throwaway line on Wikipedia that said it was intended as like a Yardbirds like revival project. Yeah. Initially. I mean, it's the Yardbirds are such a strange group in that way because as much as they had hits, I know like two or three of their songs, maybe. Yeah. I know for your love. Yeah. But only from covers. For your love. Um, Shapes of Things is another one. Okay, I think I've heard uh, the name of that. That's actually covered on um, pinups. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah, be why I know by it. By David then. Bowie. Um, oh, they got a song called White Summer, Alex. Oh, how about that? It's <laughs> no good. Um, Train was, kept a rolling. Is that them originally? I, I, no, is it I different it was, from the Aerosmith song? <laughs> I think it might be the same song, but I think it's like an old blues song. Okay, it's like sense. Howlin' Wolf or something like that. I'd have right. to double check exactly who, but you know, old blues guy. Um, and the song was written by Graham Goldman, mm-hmm. who we just talked about. Ten CC. He was also in Ten CC. Like that's right. There's co-lead singer and bassist here, man. Yeah, it's we've got connections going on here. Yeah. Uh but yeah, big popular song. I didn't know it until this week, <laughs> or like last week when we we brought it up. But yeah, pretty cool song. Uh, lyrically, not the greatest, I don't think. Yeah, it's kind of, it's in this style. Uh, and Graham Goldman specifically was like, wrote for a lot of these like bubblegum pop groups. 
Right. So it can be somewhat general, even vapid lyrics, but it's like reasonably tight songwriting, but not necessarily that meaningful. Yeah, for sure. It feels teenaged. Yeah. Uh, that, that brings it together. Bubblegum there. Uh, but yeah, let's tuck into that. Let's get into these because they yeah. are pretty simple. Sick at heart and lonely, deep in dark despair, thinking one thought only. Where is she? she tell me, tell me where. where. Yeah, I mean, the introduces the story here of the main character is um, pining for a woman who's not around. Yeah, and he's sad about it. He's despairing, even. Yeah, this is just green sleeves, isn't it? Yeah, this is just green sleeves. <laughs> Once again, alas, my love, you do me wrong. Is that yeah, it? something like that. I'm trying yeah. to remember the other words. Alas, uh, my love, you do me wrong. Mm-hmm. I am so sad, so I sing this song. Yeah, that's something. the one. That's, that's the one. But yeah, so we, uh, we get that he's sad. It's a heart sickness. So we, we know that love is love is probably the topic, unless he's literally medically sick. <laughs> but I right. think that is... Sick at heart. I'm like, yeah, sick well, at heart. he's facing heart failure. I'm like, he's eh, facing heart failure. This is a man at the end of his days. Yeah. He's despairing. <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah. It's an old man thinking back on his life. And he says... Old man, I'm looking at Where is she? Yeah, he's losing his fucking brain. He yeah. doesn't know. Uh, his wife's been dead for 20 years. Yeah. Um, no, that's clearly not what's going on no. here. Uh, and if she says to you, she don't love me, just give her my message. Tell her of my plea. Bum, so he's talking bum. to either we, the audience, are supposed to know who this woman is, which I'm sorry, we don't. I don't yeah. fucking know who she is. She's not giving us names. Yeah, so he's talking to like a person, a go-between person, somebody who is a mutual friend of both parties here. And saying, hey, let her know. Yeah, because he's still into this person who laughed. Yes. Yeah. And he's saying, listen, even if she says she doesn't love me, so he's using them as a messenger. He's like, you got to tell me what they're saying, and also I'll tell you what to say to them. Yeah. Let her know that. uh, And I know. That That and I know. (laughs) That if she had me back again, I would never make her sad. I've got a heart full of soul. I've got a heart full of soul. Yeah, so presumably he in some way screwed up. He feels guilty about it, and he's yeah. still into this person, and he says, I won't do it again, but I can't talk to her, someone else. Like, yeah, or maybe so he wants to, but he can't find her, whatever. We're left with some some vague knowings of a, of a wrongdoing mm-hmm. that is his fault. Um, he's saying, like, come on, man, let her know it. if she takes me back, I, I'd never make her sad again. He doesn't come off sounding like the greatest dude here. No, not really. He's probably, he's at the same tier of boyfriend as like Breakfast at Tiffany's guy. Of like, yeah, well, we kind of liked that thing. That's something. We That's something. Because like, right? he's like, well, let her know that I've got a heart full of soul, which means nothing. Yeah. Is it, uh, that's, I guess, what I wanted to talk about now is, does it mean nothing? What is it like? Because there's another version that's mm-hmm. called like heart full of love. Okay. Um, and is that what that means? I like. I guess kind of. I feels. It feels like a very teenage idea since it you does. brought up. Well, it's this a very slang pop. type term as well. Sure. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to have soul? Usually, when you talk about having a full heart, you're talking yeah. about love. Love. Yeah. But if it's a soul, yeah, I don't know. Is, is it's, it it's just a like strange a- term? I am so human. Like, like 
Behold, my heart is full of soul. Like, do I not contain multitudes? Sure, I, I made her cry, but also look at look at all of my my many facets. Usually, when we say something has soul, mm-hmm. we mean something like it evokes emotion. Yes, I'm an emotional man. Is yeah. that what he's saying? So does that just mean like I am feeling very strongly right now? Yeah, like it's just like. Let her know I'd never make her sad because I feel very strongly yeah, about I, this. I, I'm sad now about this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did you ever see that? It's like Darwin's journal. I, I realize now it's on the internet, so it could have been made up. But supposedly it's from Darwin's journal, and it's just like one day journal entry, and it's like, I'm feeling very poorly today and like want to die or something like that. <laughs> <Where> like, <laughs> um, I don't know. It reminded me of that for a second. Yeah, it's uh, it seems to be a very of the moment statement. Yeah, and definitely like the term itself mm-hmm. is sounds kind of cool. Like it sounds yeah. like it should mean something, but if it was a slang term that meant something, it hasn't really caught on. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Really, I don't understand it. Um, but like as a song name, "Heartful of Soul," it sounds cool. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's just part of it. Because it is a bit of, as we keep bringing up, like, it is a little bubblegummy in in that it almost seems like it means something, but it might actually not. Yeah. And again, we're talking about 65 here. We talked about songs from this era where you, like, you can't be too explicit sometimes. True. So I wonder if they just adapted to this style of like not saying things, but saying things that sounded like they meant something as a way to be like, well, nobody's going to censor this, but also nobody knows what it fucking means. So it can be just about anything. True. It gets a little more vague in that way, but by necessity. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there was, I'm trying to remember, I don't know when like the, the British like censorship board was dissolved. Mm. But I think they were around through the 60s. For sure. Well, they were around in 66, probably. Well, that yeah. was America that, that the birds got their song taken off the air, or proposed to be taken off the air. Because I'm thinking of Eight Miles High. Right. Because these songs are very close in release date, very close in, in like musicality. We're, we're dealing with the same like subgenre, or the mm-hmm. startings of that. And then thinking about when we talked about those lyrics, they were we were pulling. It was rich. It was a rich mine of poetry, and it was like, oh, there's so many different ways to look at this, and it all looks pretty good. We're we're looking at I've got a heart full of soul, and it's like, I don't know what the fuck this means. Yeah, like it's a fairly straightforward story. Like that that particularly the heart full of soul. Yeah, does like everything is straightforward until you hit this line, and it's like, um, okay. Full of something. Full of something. I but, got a heart I mean, full of full of stone. Piece things together. Yeah, I get that. It's supposed to mean he he bears some quality that makes him worthy of being a lover. <laughs> Once <laughs> yeah. more. That's that's. I mean, that's really his argument, I guess. Yeah. Like, or or rather, his evidence, kind of. He said, "I will never make you sad." Yeah. Why? Why? I've got a heart. I've got full a heart of soul. full of soul. Isn't it obvious? Like. As like a logical statement, it f- ticks all the boxes. Yeah. But if you analyze it, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It doesn't, and, and yeah, I guess there's another implicit. There's the implicit why that leads to I've got a heart full of soul, and then the implicit unlike other people, because like <laughs> if you've right. got a heart of soul and everybody's got a heart full of soul, what does it fucking yeah, matter? It doesn't matter. 
which again feels like a very like teenager attribute to be like, well, I've got something special. And you're like, well, what's like, your what special thing? They're like, I feel, I'm just, I feel man. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the appeal. Maybe that is the appeal. Yeah. It's just that, that sensation of being like, well, I hope she'll take me back. Cause I feel like I'm a pretty special guy. Yeah. And I'm kind of sad about this whole thing or even very sad. Yeah, very sad. Well, because you know what? She's been gone such a long time. Yeah. Longer than I can bear, but if she says she wants me, tell her I'll be there. Yeah, I mean, pretty basic. He's still lonely, but yeah. the second she uh, comes back, he'll take her. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be quick. He's feeling be, bad about this. He's feeling bad about this whole thing. And it's been a long time, so the wound's not fresh, unless it's been like a day and he's yeah, like, mm, or, it's Yeah, so or it's an exaggeration of, yeah. of the situation. We, we got to trust the narrator on some ground here, I guess. I'm going to trust it's been a long time. <laughs> True. Or either way, it's been longer than he can bear. So, is this song from either the way, perspective of like a dog that's been tied up outside while somebody goes to get a coffee? He's just like he's just been gone for literally the entire history of the universe. Please, God, let her know. I'll take someone her back. Her. <laughs> when we were in Seattle, we saw someone feed a tied up dog something yeah was that their dog i don't know <laughs> yeah it was not clear they like threw them like a ice cream right like, we were just in the alley there and they like just tossed him some treats and i was like yeah. is that that dog's like game like he's not even tied up he'll just yank the leash and be like well thanks everyone <laughs> yeah. time to go home he brings out a top hat and people start throwing treats in it and they just... thank you thank you thank you <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I'm getting gone a long time. Tell her I'll be there. So he's like, please, whoever you are, so-and-so, person also going into this cafe, let her know I'll be there. <laughs> she wants me to come inside the Starbucks with her. <laughs> yeah, he's just waiting for her outside the cafe. He's like, I didn't want to go in. It was nice outside. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I just, I'm so lonely here. now. I just miss her If you her see so her much. when you go in, just tell her. Tell, tell her, her I'm still her. here. I'm left. Uh, yeah, so this song is about a dog. This song is a dog who... Just can't handle separation. You just can't handle you know, separation anxiety. I think yeah. that's a great a great angle on this track. That's kind of what it is about. The Yardbird's song about a dog. But a dog. Heart full of soul. Waiting for its owner outside. And you know what? I think people would describe a dog as having a heart full of soul. They'd be like, oh, that dog, he's got a heart full of soul. It's it, Yeah, it sounds like a very, I mean, when you say it like that, Southern. Yeah, I definitely uh, painted it <laughs> with a certain brush. Um, but, you know, it works. But yeah, ultimately, yeah, it's a bubblegum pop song done by a rock band. Yeah, with some cool sounds to it. With some I mean, very that's all cool the words, sounds. really. Like, there's another yes. pre-chorus um, and then chorus, but they're the same as before. Yeah. And so, yeah, what, what makes this so so memorable is that there's a guitar that goes... Yeah, it's got a pretty cool riff to it. And it's got, yeah. it's like real fuzzy. Yes. Um, so, you know, old school fuzz. I built a fuzz box myself. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some similar qualities, mostly in that the fuzz makes it very, very thin sounding. Mm. Um, and like, and yet very distorted. Yeah. I wonder if that thinness is what some people, because people say like, there's some of the contemporary reviews are like, oh, there's an Eastern influence on this, on Jeff Beck's guitar playing. I wonder if that thinness of sound is maybe associated with that. I think that's part of it. Obviously, he's trying to emulate a sitar. 
Yeah. Um, and I think he kind of makes a kind of a drone sound, like he lets some strings ring or something like that. Yeah, there was something to that effect. There's yeah. like an open D or something going on. Yeah, because a sitar has... Um, what is it called? Like sympathetic resonating strings or something like that. I, I don't know how the, it works mechanically exactly. Yeah. But it creates a drone sound when you play it, basically. Yeah. And he no, was I... kind of trying to make it sound like that. So, yeah, I guess. I don't know how, when they say Eastern influence, I feel like that's almost backwards. Like he's more like just kind of trying to emulate the sound of a sitar. But I feel like if it was like actual eastern influence then they could have actually got the sitar player thing working because really yeah. the problem it sounds like was more with style like this sitar player wasn't used to playing in this four four in a rock, rock and roll four yeah exactly um so it just didn't really match up with what they were expecting and they couldn't mm-hmm. make it work obviously other artists did make it work later they just couldn't yeah. get it yeah, so time. I wonder how much of it was, like, impatience. They're like, we can't just sit here and teach a sitar player rock and roll, even though it's, like, one of the simplest forms of music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we say simple, but it's still, like, any genre is, to a degree, like, culturally specific. Right, you know? so, yeah, you're trying to get this guy to change his internal metronome. Yeah, exactly. I like, that. that is a big shift. It's learning another language in some way, so even mm-hmm. if it is basic, like, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Or at least, like, language or dialect. Like, it's different. Yeah. It's different, and he struggled with that. And they, I guess they struggled to, yeah, get him to have it cut through. So, yeah, you get him going, okay, I'll make an electric guitar sound like a sitar, which was kind of the earlier approach anyway, and maybe, like, That's what true. people the were birds ready did for. The birds did the same thing. The birds did the same thing. Because um, they didn't actually have a sitar. No, they didn't. And I think Norwegian Wood is called is the first song or the first popular song at least yeah there's like some there is some even stuff before this that i think has like eastern music in it like some stuff on help i believe has like interstitial like sitars and shit okay so yeah you look at the early examples they say like heartful of souls one of the biggest ones um but the 1965 single see my friends uh by the kinks was another big hit Right. Uh, but that uses open-tuned guitars to imitate the drone produced by an Indian tambura. Um, ah, what do we got? The Beatles' Tick to Ride featured a melody that author Ian McDonald terms ragga-like. So you get these drone-like elements kind of come in first. And then you get the, the sitar replication on electric guitars. Um, yeah, the 1965 film Help included incidental music played by Indian session oh, musicians. Oh, in the movie. In the movie, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you kind of get these different points. But, yeah, it's looking like you're right. It looks like Norwegian Wood is maybe the first, like, yeah. rock-solid example of sitar but as see, sitar in Ragnarok. Yeah, but you see this progression, right? Like, mm-hmm. we talked about it uh, when we talked about the birds as well, of, like, they, maybe they made the first psychedelic rock song but it was like the industry was on a trajectory and they were just along that trajectory so if if the song hadn't happened we would still have psychedelic rock maybe it would be a little different but more or less we would have the same ideas or a lot of the same ideas yeah conceptually like yeah there was all raga was always going to mesh with rock at some point in some way it just happened to be in these ways that it came through yeah 
and these are yeah ways it was interpreted yeah so what we're looking at today is like the first like notable point it's like when you're putting in a spice into a into a dish and it's like this is the point where you actually notice that the spice is in there people are actually like really seeing it and going like oh yeah it sounds like a sitar yeah and even like all that said really that guitar is like pretty much the thing yeah right because they even they have the tabla yeah but it's not really used as a tabla yeah it doesn't like overwhelmingly accent the piece it's pretty much used as a cowbell yeah and i honestly didn't even know it was a tabla like i've heard this song a fair amount um but just assumed that was another one of the drums, like a wood block or a ta- or, or a uh, right, cowbell or something. It's used to that effect, and there's nothing, yeah, particularly like signature tabla about yeah, it. Yeah, it's just kind of like tabla can be so fast. Like it can mm-hmm. be su- such intricate rhythms and stuff if you listen to some like Indian music with it. Because um, it's played like with your fingers, right? Yeah. So, like, you can do these pretty crazy rhythms. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really just like, oh, bah, bah. But like it's it's yeah, just, it's, it's a backbeat <laughs> accent like that's all it is. And again, that might be like like you said, it's like this rhythm artist knows a certain style of rhythm, and yeah. four four rock is so outside of it that he's like, okay, I can hit like the start of the measure, like I can hit that. Yeah, and ultimately the Yardbirds like they wanted the flavor of the instruments, but they didn't really want the style. Yeah, and that's probably I'm assuming why it didn't ultimately work out particularly with the sitar player yeah that's that seems to make sense to me um so we've discussed the guitar quite a bit <laughs> i think i think, I think we, people have got it nailed down that there is a guitar on this track yeah there is a guitar. in fact there's at least several two. there because there was also a rhythm guitar yeah i like that rhythm guitar and uh this came up with the birds as well but i would also call this chunky Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I can I can feel that sensation. Uh, just because the the way it's played is be like kind of like fast and hard. Yeah, um, but also discreet, like discreet. and then like let it just ring. Yeah, that's where you get that big piece of fat there. It's letting mm-hmm. it ring out there. Yeah, that checks out to me. So you get that, you get that tabla, um, and you get. I thought I read somewhere that the Yardbirds are known for their vocal harmonies, and then I like. Couldn't find it again. So I don't, are they known for their vocal harmonies? I don't know, actually. Or just 60s bands known for that. A lot of 60s bands are. But like we talked about that with the birds. Yeah. Um, that might be what I'm thinking of. Because we got the yard birds. We got the birds with a Y. And then there's the birds with an I who nobody actually knows. Yeah. Who's who? What is what? <laughs> Why are we all birds? What, are yeah, they what? talking about women? I guess because birds sing? Actually, no. There's a, the yard birds were named after... Or it's... I don't remember if it's explicitly, it was explicitly stated, but I, the term yardbird is used in On the Road. Oh, okay. Um, to refer to rail yard hobos. Nice. Yeah. So it could be a Kerouac reference. That would make sense. Um, as for the other ones, I, I don't know. Especially I the American know. birds, because they wouldn't have been referring to women as birds, most likely. No, and, the, and they got that Y in there to really throw you off the yeah. trail. So, I don't know. The Beaterts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but well, the big thing we get here, uh, somebody mentioned in the reviews as well that uh, Graham Goldman's known for uh, a, a ge- being a genius at effectively alternating tempos and major minor modes, which is used in Heart Full of Soul. Oh. Particularly notable in the just the change up from verse to chorus. 
I like that. That's a good change up. Cause like you get into that and I know, and then like the guitar says, you know, yeah, it's galloping. So that is a cool switch up for sure. Um, Cause yeah, before that, it's mostly like the rhythm guitar is just kind of strumming. You know, pretty straightforward. Just strumming chords. Um, And then you move into that. Even like the pre-chorus, whatever you would, what is called the pre-chorus in these Mm -hmm. lyrics. um, It's not much differentiation there. No. uh, Between the verse and the pre-chorus. Like it's not much of a build, but it is definitely a section that leads into the chorus. Yeah. Sort of. Because you don't get it. You don't always get it before the chorus, but anyway. But when you do, uh, it leads into the chorus. When you do, it leads into the chorus. Um, <laughs> that makes it pre-chorus. Makes it pre-chorus, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the chorus definitely... And I know... And that is, like, the sell on this song, because I like I am skeptical of the lyrics, is in, like, vocal delivery and in that backing done by the instruments. is in the song parts of the song. Right. It really sells it. Right. I guess we talk about songwriting. Sometimes it's easy to get distracted by lyric writing, but there's really Mm -hmm. more to it. Yeah. Um, And that is the uh, instrumentation. Because, yeah, you got got Keith. Is his name Keith? Keith Gelf or something like that? Relf? Um... Fucking, I had his name here. Uh, Keith Ralph. Yeah. yeah. Ralph. He's, he's doing your lead vocals, and then you get the backing guys in the verse going, whoa. And then even bigger effect of that on the chorus. Yes. It's, it's a very, the feel in this song is interesting, and it's mostly from those, maybe it's just the echo on the, on the vocals. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit of echo on the vocals. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it almost has like a strange loose feeling to it. There is definitely like a, it feels like it's in an open space. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what that means or, or how that happens, but it, it, it feels interesting. Yeah. Maybe it, it amplifies the loneliness. I mean, with that and like the galloping guitar you get in the chorus, there's a bit of like cowboy vibe on this without being country music. A little bit. We're definitely not in country yet. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's got some of that flavor to it, like 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 Hollywood cowboy. Maybe it's a little cinematic, mm-hmm. but it's not really southern. What else is going on in this? Song? What else? What else? Oh, what else? Um, clang and cymbals, big stings on the heart. That's the the chorus, heart line right? starts hitting yeah. the cymbals. The yeah. the heart of soul line is like where it really comes together, right? It's I got a heart full of soul. Yeah, and then you hit the harmonies. the intro riff again. Okay, there's one other thing I noticed that I thought yes. was very strange. I don't know exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. but there's the bass yes. feels like a hole, kind of like. Like, you can hardly hear it. Like, you kind of know it's there, but it's almost yeah. like it's there because it's not there. Right. what I'm talking about? Like, I don't really know what's going on in the low end of this song, is what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. not there. It's, and it's, it is pretty minimal bass. When it is there, it's either just hitting the chords with everybody, or it's just like a plodding, almost country style. It's like, boom, boom, yeah, boom But it's boom, not just boom. not there. It's like, yeah. like, you listen for it, and you can't hear it, but it's not the same as it not being there like it's being pulled away mm. you know what i'm saying it's like it's, it's the absence the of bass more. not yeah. or rather it's the 
anti-base, not an absence of base. I don't know. It's very strange. And I feel like maybe it's like a phase oh, thing. Because I think it happens a little bit. Like we were talking about the symbols in the chorus. And they sort of, you know, when you hit the hi-hat and it's open, it sort of mutes itself. Yeah. It does that. And right. That's how yeah, I feel you'll... about the bass. I don't, un- I don't know. It's I don't understand it fully. You kind of hear it start, like you go boom, but it doesn't yeah. quite ring out, although it feels like it should. Yeah. But you still kind of feel its presence, maybe. I'm not sure, Alex. Yeah, maybe it's just because it's an old recording and the low end isn't super great. That could very well be it. Because it was, what, 65, 66? 65. Yeah. Long time ago. Long, long time ago. <laughs> that's yeah that's this one um guitar solo it's pretty cool yeah it's mostly just the existing uh melody yeah and then like the riff but it's got the the tone it's jeff beck doing this thing yeah pretty cool and that was what guitar souls were back then we just wanted to see if they could sound like people true like just do the melody we already know and then we're going back into it the whole thing is only two and a half minutes long yeah. So, it's over pretty quick. Yeah, and once you've got once you've done the first run, you pretty much know what's coming up on the second half here. Mm-hmm. You get Just chorus, you get verse, you get chorus slightly again. Slightly different verse. But yeah, that's and it, that's kind of the song. It's pretty quick. That's the song, man. That is fully the song. Um, it's got covers. It's got covers for days. It does. I mean, it has a music video, but there's not much to it. It's, it's yeah. mostly the band performing it. Yeah, any, with any some highlights, Alex? Superimposition of the singer over. Oh yeah, and it says Yardbirds at the start there. That wasn't in the studio when they recorded it. <laughs> yeah, they added that in post. Yeah, singers wearing sunglasses. And allegedly, I think supposedly Jimmy Page is also in this recording or in this video, but I'm okay. might have made that up. No, I made that. I, up. I only know old man Jimmy Page, so you'd have to look like that for me to recognize him. Say this, the Yardbird singer with sunglasses on looks like Tom Petty. He does, doesn't he? He's got blonde hair, he's got the mustache. Yeah. Yeah, but there's not much else to it than that. No. Um, rest in peace, Tom Petty. Rest in peace, probably a lot of the Yardbirds. <laughs> yeah, not all of them, but a lot of them. Not all of them. I mean, there's a whole separate page. Um, with a Jimmy page? page? For, yeah, um, for a list of Yardbird members. Yeah, so. I've seen that. Um, we're about to get into a separate page of this podcast where we talk about Els Drax from 1965. Yes. So they're, they're from Catalonia, Spain. Yes. Catalonian, so... Their name means the dragons in Catalan. Ah, El Strax. El Strax. Yeah, so Ka- tell me about Catalan, Alex. I know you're a big language head. Oh, um, well, I looked it up a little bit. It's mostly, they were very specific that it's not a Spanish dialect. It is its own language. It's a language spoken in some regions of Spain, mostly, what you would call Catalonia. And I think right. some other places, perhaps. But um, I remember a couple of years back hearing, like, it's... I don't think it's an endangered language, but, like, there's not necessarily, like, it's it's a fairly specific one. It's, like, constricted to, you know, a region, and you can't really speak it outside of that region, so. Right, and since it doesn't have broad applications, nobody's like, 
I'm going to learn Catalan. So yeah. Go to Catalonia. And- yeah. It is in many ways similar to Spanish, as I understand. Like, even if you search Elstrax, or if you, like, tra- Google Translate it, to yeah. from Spanish, it's like the Drakes. I'm like, well, that's similar to the dragons. Like, it's right. not the same, but it's, it's pretty not the close. exact same. But yeah, conceptually similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this one is different lyrics. It's it's in Catalan. Yeah. Um, Cor fet d'amour. A heart made of love. If Google Translate is to be believed. Yeah. Uh, he's run out of Esma. <laughs> he's run out of Esma. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is a word that Google does not know, but that's okay. like the first Okay, I didn't line. translate the lyrics. <laughs> I yeah. translated the lyrics here. It says, I have run out of Esma. I'm not good for anything. If you know, tell me, my love, where it is. So, conceptually similar. I'm, I, Esma, I don't need to know what it is to, to know yeah. the rest of these. <laughs> but, yeah, he's in a similar spot. He's down. He, he feels like he's not good for anything because he's missing his love. Yeah. Um, and either this song is very progressive or more likely uh, Google Translate just can't handle the, the masculine feminine pronouns. Yeah, I had a similar... Oh, that... Okay. That's a different song. Yeah. Okay. Translating yeah, yeah. from Portuguese. Where I was like, I don't think this person identifies that way. But anyway. Yeah. And then it shifts in another verse here. Uh, but if he tells you that he doesn't even want the memory of me, you can tell him that love kills me. Which honestly kills me. sounds way cooler than the original. That is a very like dramatic way of saying it for sure. Yeah. Because it almost sounds like he's saying like if they're saying they don't want to remember me, then like I'll do it. I'll fucking kill myself because I love them. Let them know I died for love so that they don't have to remember me. Yeah. Um, I am sure that if I wanted to be by his side, I would find myself changed. I have a heart made of love. That's the one that's a bit... Yeah, like, same idea, but I think that first line must be fucked up. I'm sure that if I wanted to be by his side, I think you do. It's like kind of backwards, right? Yeah, it's kind of backwards. If they wanted to be by my side. Yeah. Yeah. Then I would, you know, be... They'd find I was a different person. Yeah. And so the next one's like, she's been away from me for so long that I can't bear it. If he misses me, you must tell me. I will go to console him. Same, like exactly the same almost as, as verse two. Yeah, as soon as they say they want me, I'm there. I'm there. So yeah, yeah they, they kind of pretty much nailed it. I like the, you can tell him that love kills me. I think that's fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. As far as like high drama goes, that's yeah, right there. That's, that's right there. Yeah, we're escalating that teenage love drama. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does it sound like? Like a sounds like the Yardbirds. <laughs> it does sound like the Yardbirds. Um, it's a little different. Yeah, of course. It's buzzier in the guitar yeah. sound. Um, I like Almost their little surfier. Bends. Yeah. In the... Is, is there another one that sounds... No, that's this one. I, this yeah, is in the way... On guitar. Yeah. It's kind of the... I don't know. Maybe the attack of the, of the guitar is very sharp. Something yeah. like that. Um, it's kind of got a pop to it. Yeah, and they uh, hit like a they hit a chord near the start there that that which is like that's surf rock <laughs> like the tone and everything is when like with the piano as well. Um, no, I think it's just a guitar. Oh, if you go okay. to like sixteen seconds, you'll, oh, okay, I'm a little earlier. It's okay. every time they do that, yes. like, bow, 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 where they kind of do the slow, bang. the slow, they do, like the rake, the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's got that, um. I mentioned I like the bends. 
Uh, yeah, the bends are sweet. Not decompression sickness. Hey. Hey. I uh, hate it when I get the bends on, uh, when, I'm, when I'm diving, you know? But, Love but on it. the guitar, um, on a guitar. They're, I find they're a little more noticeable here. You kind of get them in the original, but this kind of slows them down a bit. Yeah. And That's like one of the nicer things about low-budget covers sometimes is like you tuck into a little more of the technique because you can't hide it. Not that you could really hide it on the Yardbirds, but... There's less of that distortion on this one. Though. Yes, so, so it's a little cleaner. Stuff in the way. A little simpler this version. Mm-hmm. It's kind of. It does feel. This one is where I started thinking cowboys. Okay. Possibly yeah. just because it is not quite, but close enough, you know, close to Spanish. To Spanish yes. Uh, so that might've been it. The, we have a big listenership in Catalan. So I appreciate your yeah. Catalonia. So I appreciate you're really, yeah. Really playing I have softball to be very the specific. There. Spanish, Catalan, not the same thing. Completely not the same, but very to my different. ears, exactly the same. <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see some of that. I think I picked up on the surf rock tones a lot more, which is also just like the sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 60s. but I can see a cowboy surf into this. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is ca- cowboy surf rock um, on the dunes, on the sand dunes. Um, a lot more mellow because we don't have the same like power of backing vocals or even the the punch of distortion. Like it's it is one of those ones where it's like you take this newly developed sound to a place that doesn't have that tech yet, and now it sounds like a throwback tune almost. <laughs> you know, it's the same just year, out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't have any, I don't think they do anything that is similar to the tabla part. Like, they don't have a cowbell or anything. No. It's a very simple percussion section. It's pretty plain. Yeah. A little bit of drum rolls at the end. Uh, I already mentioned the piano. Uh, it kind of, it's there. It plays chords. It is, it is present. Um, it's part of that, I mentioned the original, uh, has a very chunky uh, rhythm section. Actually, yes. this one skips that rhythm guitar for, for the most part. Uh, yeah. Versus. Um, and there's a very brief moment, just after a minute, like 103-ish. Mm-hmm. Is that a theremin? Let me see. Why, why would you have a theremin for, for like, on. a second? Coming up on it. Oh, yeah, what the fuck? Is yeah, it, I don't know. It is like a ghostly shrieking, yeah, yeah. which is theremin-esque if not just a theremin yeah it sounds like a theremin i don't um, know how else they would why would you have a theremin that? for like half a second it's, they got a guy you know they, they, they <laughs> got, got a on the band. we gotta it's let like, him on all the tracks gotta put the theremin right here to our rehearsals but legally he's part of the band yeah um yeah so that's that's eldrax eldrax I'm saying that wrong hey man um, that's okay sometimes Els-Drax. i think els Drax. Drax. That's the Drakes. The Drakes. Uh, the Dragons, even. Um, coming up next, uh, on the radio, it's Graham Goldman and the Johnny Man Sickers in 1965. going on with this one this is i mean it's on it's in the the um title it's it's uh or it's on the album art at least uh distilled for easy listening 
yeah, that that sums this up a hundred percent. Yeah, it's the the we talked about. You talked about how the last one felt a little throwback. This yeah. is like this is deliberate is and clear. It's definitely like older style or like n- pop style, but not rock and roll. It it's if if nothing else, a throwback to the older generation, so that they will listen to it. Yeah, and that's what this is. I mean, Graham Goldman's name is in this credited here, Attached? but I think yeah. just as the original songwriter right like right yeah i don't think he actually worked with them. they're from baltimore so like, yeah he would have to come over to the states in 1965 for some reason right it's this johnny man singers uh johnny man was the band leader yes um he was a conductor and i think played some arranger composer conductor entertainer yeah. singer and recording artist so I don't think he played anything, but he did. Yeah. He, wrote, he wrote songs. Apparently, he wrote some radio jingles, including one that was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the movie. Okay, I saw uh, that but, movie recently. Um, you I don't know seen what it. that sounded like. Um, so apparently, like they did a bunch of those fucking jingle. Um, yes, and this is this is their interpretation of Heart Full of Soul. But yeah, it feels to me, I'm, it feels very like swinging sixties. It reminded me of like. Austin Powers. Yeah. And yet this is still like 65, so it's very present. Yeah. But not rock and roll, baby. No, certainly not. We open with some Yes, they've moved it to voice. And that's yes. kind of the like stylistically we talked about it, but in terms of the nuts and bolts of what happens in here, a lot of stuff moves to voice. There's sort of yeah. the, the male section and the female section. Yeah. In the, I believe, left and right earphones, respectively. You are correct, yes. And they make some of the sounds, including that riff. That riff, yeah, they do that riff. And it's the dudes, their vocal style is, I mean, like you said, it is so very throwback. <laughs> Sick and sad and lonely. Deep and yeah. yeah, they're singing deep, you know, the low parts, and the women are singing the high parts, and yeah, they're doing the that. Yeah, and, and there the is like some guitar. It's like they brought a guitarist, he was excited to do it, and then the Johnny Man singers just came and kicked his ass, and they're like, you don't play loud on this. You don't play loud, you play clean. <laughs> Although, there is a guitar solo, and it doesn't use the original solo. Yeah, even that's got some big ooze in the back, though. They also, they swing it, right? This is the one, yeah. Like, I said swing in 60s, but they literally swing it a bit. So this is kind of the, like, we talk about easy listening, but there's a dance aspect to it as well, I think. Right. And that, yeah, so it gives it a different feel. Um, yes. So to me, it almost feels like this throwback thing, and it's amusing in that way. But it's also funny because it came out the same year as the original, and like was just a jumping on a trend. Yeah, but it's with like an it old was style thing, just so made for a different TV show, like a different variety right. show. Like there's the one for the youth, and then there's the one for your your mom, and like this one is playing on your mom's TV show. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was amusing and like kind of fun, but I can see how, like, I mean, it was, you know, probably a very corporate decision. Well, I say that, but it's the Johnny Mansingers, so I don't know who is behind them in terms of the money, but yeah, I don't, I don't know who's at the top of this operation, but like, it's kind of fun. It, it didn't do much for me. It was, I, just, I wrote, I don't give a fuck about these lyrics or about these styles of performing them. So, yeah, it would be. 
kind of fun to dance to, but like not one I would go back to, sort of thing. Like if I heard yeah. it, I'd be like I know this song, Let's I would play this a- at like an ironic '60s party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for I sure. Like we all hate the '60s, right? Check out this Johnny Mansingers cover. Yeah, of a song from the same year. And yeah, other than that, follows are pretty close. Other than the guitar solo is totally different, but it fits in with this different style. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, solidly built for what it is. I just don't think what it is yeah. is good. Uh, we're jumping, are we jumping all the way to 2018, or is that just, no, wait, I've got this fucked up. 86. 86 for Chris Isaac. I Chris just didn't put my notes in the right, right, right place. Isaac. Sick and hard and lonely. Deep in dark despair. When you want her only. Tell me where is she? Yes, Chris Isaac. Um, he's called the Rockabilly Revivalist and also Roots Rock. Yeah. Some things. I, I hear the Rockabilly Revivalist, but it is still 1986. Right. And it's like a little post-punk in some ways. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it like, wouldn't be out of place with like REM tracks. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like it's got like the maybe it's just the way it uses echo or something, but it is definitely like 80s. Um, yeah, as much as he's got like you can see him on the cover of this album, he's kind of got like the 50s hair mm-hmm. thing going on, so there's definitely some throwback to it. But like it's got this dark edge that you get from from like a Smith's album, yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, I called it Sad Cowboy. Yeah, that's it. Nailed it. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's got a little bit of that twang, um, but like it's got this echo that kind of gives it this desolate sound. Yeah. And once again, kind of all sounds like a theremin sometimes, but I think it's guitar here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like this weird tambourine echo thing too. This ding, 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 ding. It's got a lot of echo. Yeah, which is a lot in of keeping echo. with the original. A lot of moody tones on this. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I think longer. that's... I assumed it was a... No, you're right. It is a guitar. I thought it, that theremin part was a violin at first. Yeah. Because it has a bit of a string quality to it, but I think it is just a guitar with effects. With effects? Yeah. yeah. It is kind of funky, though. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find... I have a timestamp, but I'm trying to find it. Um. Yeah, I had it. There's Hang definitely, on. like, he's definitely playing, like, some guitar, um, what are they called? Um, harmonics. The also, other thing they have, I think, is a slide guitar, because it does have a bit of that. Oh, okay, it yeah, A yeah, bit yeah. of that, you know. We t- I talked about cowboys and country already, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's This in, sounds in like that. what I would hear on a family road trip. So I was almost, I, like, kind of dug through his other tracks to see if there was something that had been played but but no i think he just has like a like that post-punk sound that it was yeah it was 86 so it was kind of present yeah available to use um maybe think of john mellencamp but that might have just been the album cover that might just be the album cover i wouldn't say that as post-punky though we did that john mellencamp cover of um the man who sold the world world. that was weird that was weird um (laughs) But I was quite amused by this one. I thought it had a neat sound to it. And yeah, it definitely I definitely like the sound on this. From the original. And I think the sort of, it, it introduces 
a feeling of desolation that we haven't really gotten. Yeah. yeah, we're we're actually engaging more with the lyrics at this point. Mm-hmm. Whereas like even the yard birds, like there's a bit of like darkness maybe, but like predominantly we're there to push pop sounds and this crazy new thing called pretending to be a sitar. Yeah. And fuzz generally. And fuzz, is, yeah. Yeah. Apparently a month before the Rolling Stones used it on I want to say satisfaction. Satisfaction. Yeah. So, way to go, the Yardbirds. Way to go, the Yardbirds. Um, We do get a fake-out ending on this. Mm. See, he goes through stuff again, is that true? Yeah, he he returns to the first verse, does the main title line a bunch. Yeah, so that's why this one is a minute longer, because he has a long outro. Yeah, because at like 155, he plays us for fools. (laughs) Because we are fools. Yeah, and then by 203, we're back into it. Um, but yeah, I like this version. I, I like the, I like the vibes on it. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know who else is cool though? The the Canadian sensation Rush. In Canadian the year sensation Rush. Sick at heart and lonely, deep in dark despair, thinking one thought only. Where is she? We know these guys. We know these guys. We saw these guys. We've talked about them before. This is why I know this this album before. We have talked about this album before. This is why I know this song. This is why Mm. I know Shapes of Things as well. Okay. Because that is also on here. um, Feedback. It's an EP, I think, technically. Yeah, because there's Um, eight songs on it. It's 27 minutes. Yeah. You gave me this for my birthday or something. Yeah, on vinyl? A couple years back on vinyl. Yeah, you say a couple. Like six, <laughs> yeah, what, six to eight years ago, what, what, when you still lived in Calgary. Um. Oh yeah, it was, it was it was, and when friends of ours were still living in Tuscany. Yeah, it was quite some time ago. Yeah, so, not that Tuscany, but Tuscany. Lift. Yeah, our friends were living in Tuscany, Italy. We yeah. used to just take day trips just out on, there. You know. What do you call them? A villa. Just a villa in Tuscany. A chilla villa. Chilla villa. Uh, that's what we should have called their place. Anyway. Um, Damn, that would have been good. We are not smart. No. We're not smart people. No. We're just men. We can men. just keep calling places the swag in estates, though. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyway. We, we have swag. But you know what else we got? We got to talk about putting distortion onto a psychedelic rock track. We do. How does that make you feel? Um, that's... This the whole Rush feedback album is just like pretty good. <laughs> right. It's it's a strange thing. It really inspired me to seek out the originals. Mhm. Um personally. Uh but at the end of the day, like it is it is very much Rush very much playing very much songs, playing. If that it's makes it's sense. the same way like a bad Bowie album is still technically good. <laughs> Because it's, yeah, still, like, David Bowie music. And still, we're fans. And um, we're fans. Like, like Rush isn't doing anything wrong here. Um, They're just not doing, like, anything insane, which we know they can do. We've talked about their sort of music arrangement and composition, because we've talked about originals of theirs before. And it's not pop music. It's much closer to, like, actual, like composition like it's actually like almost orchestral at times and sometimes indeed they have an orchestra so this is real simple for rush that's what i will say 
Um, it is, and one thing that is interesting about it to me, um, when I when we were talking about the original, I mentioned it. There's an imprecise feeling to it, mm-hmm. and maybe it's from the echo, maybe it's just from the recording, but it has that feeling. And Rush is very much a precise band. Yes, um, and. This is a very precise version of it. Um, mm. You know, this still sounds, still sound, you know, they make it sound like Rush, but like there's, it doesn't have that same quality. You're right. It is, it's crisply made. Um, and in terms of like production, well, it feels very, I guess, modern in that way. Um, and there's some cool details too, like usually with Rush things, it is definitely simpler than like, rush songs sure but yeah. there's layers of guitars and you can hear that yeah. so you can hear the rhythm which is kind of more like floaty and less chunky and like then you get the riff on like a lead and everything is like exactly where it should be because they're very precise you know yeah so it definitely feels different in that way and if there's like a scrappiness to the original that is not present at all Mm-hmm. Yeah, not present on this, but like it's well produced and that is I think still a mark in its favor. Like mm-hmm, the tones absolutely. on these guitars are great. I mean, I really uh, like this song. Yeah. But it's also, you know, it's the first version of the song I heard. It's a band mm-hmm. I really like. Yeah, I like Katie Lee's vocals too. Like Yeah. And there's a little bit of like radio filter on it, so it provides that like distance via the radio. You get that kind of loneliness? He's like, I'm projecting mm-hmm. this message out to the world. Like, I'm telling you to tell her. I don't even know who to talk to to get to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, some yeah, cool droning cool. guitars in the second verse. Um, yeah, but pretty straightforward. But yeah, once again, uh, close cover. I, another thing about, like, I mentioned Rush is precise. Mm-hmm. And part of that extends to, like, when they play their own songs, they're trying to recreate them. You know, yeah, the sound of the album, and they do a good job of that. Yeah, um, they do. But then, w- when they're covering songs, they also don't step out of the lines much. Much, and they, they do color like, it in with interesting colors. Yeah, but it's still within the lines. And even like thematically, this EP feedback does play with a lot of like distortion and stuff on it. It's mm-hmm. like the songs work well together, and their versions all seem to have that through line where you can be like, I can tell these are all from the same sessions because they they all have this very clear like musical signature yeah um they also do did this at rush one of their 30th anniversary tour r30 r30 um they were had a couple of like laundry machines going in the back did you watch (laughs) this video (laughs) um I saw the thumbnail. That was all. Okay, yeah. It's it's different because it's uh, Getty and uh, Alex Lifeson on guitars. So they're just doing acoustic guitars, and then Neil Peart eventually jumps in with drums. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of like the vibe of it's just like, this is a song we like. We're going to sit down and play it for you now. And it's very, very relaxed. And that's, I think, part of, part of Rush's vibe is also just being kind of relaxed, despite the grandeur of some of their music. Yeah, it's cool, especially, I mean, I remember reading about why, when they were, like, picking songs for, for feedback, and it was like, these are the songs we used to play in the 60s. Yeah. When we were, like, just starting out in the 60s and 70s. So, like, it's 
kind of a throwback thing for them. So that's cool. Yeah, they're, they're coming back to it and see see how they've changed. Um, but yeah, that's um, Rush. Yeah, and the washing machines. So basically, <laughs> I think I may have talked about this before. Um, because Rush started basically just piping all their sounds backstage and then into the PA system, mm-hmm. they weren't using amps on stage anymore. Oh, so they just so had they space. They just like, put other stuff on. So when I went to see them, they had like a bunch of rotisserie chickens. Oh, okay. Like big That's rotisserie funny. machines with like, pro- I assume fake chickens. And then here they have washing machines. So they just like put other stuff on stage where amps would be. Right. To fill space. It makes for a very fun stage. It's, yeah, it's a fun, like it's a little joke that like no one points it out. And they're like, why is there a washing machine? Like they're kind of <laughs> silly guys. And they're like, yeah. Write very serious music. <laughs> they're very, yeah, there's very, they're like very Canadian. That they're yeah. like, oh, we're doing some serious stuff, but we're very relaxed. Like even like looking at them in that live video, they're just wearing like, a sweater and some jeans. That's it's true. Like a- they, yeah, they wear jeans. Getty shirt says GGG Star. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, just like some random brand yeah. or whatever. It's, it looks like he, like he just was going out to a recreational fucking hockey game yeah, or something. He could like. be like a, any guy. Yeah, he could be anyone. You could see so, him yeah. on the streets of Hamilton or whatever and be like, that's just a guy. Exactly. So Rush, good, good band, solid vibes on this cover, solid vibes all around. Speaking of things that are fast, though, Peter Pan's Speed Rock in 2014. Yes. um, Also known as PPS or PPSR or PPSR as I call it for short. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This version is faster, maybe, but it's definitely longer. Definitely longer. Um, uh, another 320 Dutch version also. here. They're Dutch. They're, they're from Dutch. Eindhoven in the Netherlands. Yeah, this is um, basically a Motorhead version. Yeah, basically, right? Because um, that's Speed Rock, right? Or like, yeah, they're, I Motorhead is associated with amphetamines, and uh, I think that's where the speed comes from. Not necessarily that would the make sense. Speed. But also, but yeah, those, there's some speed there. Those vocals on this, it's like, I was like, oh, it's Motorhead. Oh, <laughs> no, that, that's Lemmy, yeah. Well, it's that's not, Lemmy. but, you know. Yeah, see, it sounds like a kind of drunk, aggressive, growly man. And uh, it, it really works for me. It is very aggressive. Yeah. Yes, they've got that real, like, low, distorted, heavy sound. Yes. It's a cool sound. It's a very cool sound. Yeah. We haven't talked about Motorhead much, but, like, it's definitely in that vein. And yeah, I don't have much exposure to that genre-wise, but I've listened to a bit of Motorhead, so that's yeah, the point of comparison. I like a few Motorhead songs, and yeah. yeah, like big dumb energy, like the guitars are heavy hitting, the drums are just like two big cymbals crashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's big, it's aggressive. Um, there's a new little like guitar riff too during the verse. Yeah, kind of like going on in the back. So like, there's more stuff going on too. Yeah. Kind of like, you know? Yeah, it's very, like, it would not be out of place in the Battletoads video games. <laughs> That's aggressive. <laughs> That's aggressive. Though. Yeah, oh, well, fuck yeah. See, I mostly played the Game Boy one, so it didn't quite have okay. the audio fidelity to... Uh, <laughs> right, to do that. No, you gotta play, like, Battletoads and Battlemania for the yeah. Super Nintendo. Yeah. Or, or Battletoads and Double Dragon, another classic. Oh, yeah, we played that a bit. Yeah, we fucking did. But those ones are all, like, this kind of, like, hard rock. Okay. And yeah. so th- I think I yeah, respond I to that on, like, a nostalgia level, because I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Battletoads, eh? All right. Battletoads. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but I think as well, like the vocal performance of this man links up well to a guy who can confidently say, I have a heart full of soul as an argument as to why you should get back with this girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. That checks out. It also kind of like, sounds like a mistranslation of a Dutch phrase. Sure. Yeah. You know, like could easily be that. Um, I know I did like this one. It really feels like you can like kind of headbang to this one. Oh yeah. Move your body. Again, aggressively, but no, I, I I like the sound overall. Yeah, for Are sure. they still get that good change up in tempo in the chorus. It's not a gallop, but it is like just kind of like double timed on the drums, and that's good enough. There's they, this like just before the guitar solo around 107, they hit like a like a spring that stops like a door stopper or something. You get that, you know that effect. I'm waiting for it. It hits at like 108. Yeah, that's one of those yeah. uh, jawbone things. What are they called? Oh, um... You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like... It's like a... I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, it's like a ball on one end and like a block thing on the other, and they're connected by a metal rod that's very long, and you like hit them. And they go... Oh, okay, yeah, 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 Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiber slap? Yeah, it's a fiber slap, I think. Fiber slap! Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I was Two actually, I remember hearing this. that and I forgot to write it down, but I was going well, to. I wrote it down, don't worry about it, Alex. Thanks for writing it down. Um, what else, the other thing in this song... Yes. I, I There's a second guitar solo. Uh, yes. At about the 240 mark. That's um, right. And during that solo, they kind of like... It falls apart, not like... It becomes bad, but like the song starts to feel like it's falling apart and like loses bits. Right. Okay. And then that's kind of like their end. Like they fade out on that. Like the, they just get a bunch of feedback and the guitar solo is right. going to be He starts bits shredding. He's losing yeah. bits. That's what it felt like to me. Like the song is like losing parts as it goes. And then eventually it, it ends because there's nothing left. Right. This song has like <laughs> feelings of decay to it and like grittiness and nastiness like the vibe of a dude who fucked up and feels bad about it and, and is, is angry like, probably mostly at himself well yeah exactly angry. and trying to make like, trying to be like oh maybe take me back or maybe let her know to take me back like it has it hits really <laughs> really good yeah no i really like this totally version. solid version okay so now we're moving into 2018 finally yes um for 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 the rock hats <laughs> Yeah, who are also kind of a throwback, but to a throwback? Is that true? Yes. Is that so? Are they? They're not Levi and the Rockettes? Is that? I am not clear on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because I looked up Levi and the Rockettes, who were founded in 1977, a British rockabilly revival band who opened for Kiss, Iggy Pop, The Clash, David Bowie, Tina Turner, Thin Lizzy, and The Pretenders. Yeah, and but these guys look so young. Yeah, in this black and white photo, they sure do. <laughs> no, I mean, in, on the album artwork. <laughs> okay, okay. And right the, the album, Secret Hearts, is not listed on this Wikipedia page. Okay, but we do have... Uh, right, right, right. Good way to check that, Alex. So are these guys like a... 
a revival of the revival band? It's possible. Because I'm also looking at the the Facebook page and like there's no the about is empty. They just say they're, they're a band. They have an AOL email address. So are they even a revival or did they just hit the same dumb name? Unclear. But they also have some similarities mostly in the hair. See, these guys look like they're a throwback to an 80s throwback of the 50s. Right. So I don't really know what's going on here. Yeah, well, this is tricky. I mean, like, ultimately, the end result is the same. This is Rockabilly Revival. Yeah, you know what the other weird thing about Levi and the Rockcats is? Is that what? the years active, say, 1977 to present, like, they still exist, but all their members are listed as past members. <laughs> the- and their <laughs> website is called racy.net. Oh. That doesn't seem like a real website. No, which, and they don't look like the guys on this album. So I don't, I I feel like they just have the same name, but I can't find anything on the Rockettes. The Rockettes. But it's like, so what do you think the name means? Is because they're like cool cats who rock? And yet there's albums that they have. I mean, I feel like they're also squished together because if you look at their discography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes all the way back to 81. Hmm. I don't really know what's going on here, man. Live at, live at the Ritz is their first one. So maybe this is just a bunch of models they paid to be Yeah, on the maybe album they're cover? just, yeah, pretending. Or maybe this, this is like they did what Kiss wants to do and they like held a talent show to, to make the new rock ads. Pass all the rules on? Yeah, to pass all the rules on. But nobody cared because it was just Levi and the rock ads. Yeah. Regardless, so, I don't know, man. We open with like some some rolling keyboard on this, a little. Yeah, it's a lot. You get some like synth going on. This one I would compare to Chris mm-hmm. Isaac, but it's a little more of like a modern take on that '80s pop thing. Yeah, I believe that. Um, so you still get a little of that like post punky feel, but it's not. It doesn't have that dark edge so yeah, much. It's a little more, a little more popified. Yeah. But they definitely, yeah, you already mentioned the synth, kind of like sprightly, like quick uh, chords like that. There's a guitar arpeggio that comes in pretty quick. That struck me as very um, post-punk in that way. Yeah. Um, And other sounds. What other sounds? Bass, just a boom, 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 boom. Yeah, just hitting the root note, basically four on the floor, almost just fucking boom, 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 boom. Yes. If you go right, if you go like one fifty eight. Now I'm jumping ahead, but they super low bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of distorted too. It goes wow. So it's kind of cool. But I'm I'm jumping way ahead. You're jumping Um, way ahead. We get guitar chords. We got a crunchy guitar doing in doing the the main Jeff Beck riff. Mm-hmm. Um, big dumb drum hits I've said here. Oh yeah. Dum, da, dum, big big da, dumb da, drums. Da, yeah, da, so da. it's it has more of that like eighties eighties feel. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Um guitar. The, oh I what I one thing I liked about the guitar solo is it's like basically slides the whole thing around. Right, yeah. Which is kind of a cool sound. Um, and then they actually okay. Another cool sound they have second verse. Second verse is kind of cool. Well, the second yeah. second verse because they repeat the second verse. Right. Um, they like have a detuned guitar going on. So there's some cool sounds in this one. Yeah. Um, and it's more of 
trying to find a good point of comparison other than like 80s rock but this one feels very 80s but in a different way from chris isaac like they both have an 80s signature but different type of 80s yeah this is closer to like a like a don't you want me baby or something like that of that era yeah which i struggle to find like a better name for but i agree yeah so interesting throwback and i mean reasonably successful it definitely made me think of that era so yeah and like good parts of that era (laughs) yeah yeah but there you go another 80s banger in the year 2018 2018. but we got to move on to 2020 to talk about paul mark and the van dorans paul mark and the van dorans both both of them both of them are present um this version is by a new yorker new yorker songwriter musician producer who who describes himself as having a roadhouse rough vocal delivery they call it urban blues root rocks root rocks ensemble so maybe just root rock and he's got a revolving band so the van dorans not a family band just some fucking dudes some guys around. run by a guy called Van Doren. I made that up. It's probably not true. You made that up. It's run by a guy named Paul Mark. Come on. Paul Mark. That's true. He's the band leader here. Yeah. Um, he's been performing for a while. Um, yeah, this is a more bluesy version. Yeah. Yeah, definitely bluesy. You know, you get the echoey and like a bit darkness uh, on that intro. Um, and then it moves into some like guitars, but yeah, it, it is a much more. I'm gonna say bluesy again. Say it bluesy again. Feeling. Yeah, almost an urban bluesy feeling. Urban bluesy. Yeah. Um, like you one can of hear the, this in the city. In the city, New York. New York. Uh, one of the things I noticed, or about the vocal, well, the vocal delivery feels a little more like conversational. Um, yeah, it kind of goes for the sad side mm-hmm. in the delivery. Yeah, he's trying to be a little gritty, but we've we've come off of Peter Pan Speed Rock, and it doesn't get grittier than that. <laughs> no, so this... yeah, that's it's definitely quite different from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it does kind of its own uh, some of its own uh, things that are neat. Yeah, uh, the the riff, the way they play the riff out kind of they pick it yeah picked on a guitar um so they and that lets some parts ring out quite nicely um which the original is so fuzzy like you don't really get that whereas this really lets you sit in some of those um longer notes in there so that's kind of cool yeah um i kind of like dude who like really breathy ahs yeah yeah but it's not like an ah, it's like a ah. <sighs> just just a sigh. Yeah, like you he's, said. Yeah, he's, he's sad because his lady I forgot gone. the word for sigh when I was taking this note, apparently. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, there's an organ. So it's blues, organ, right? Yeah. Blues plus it's organ. It's the blues, baby. Very harmon- harmonic. Um, and then later know. on, you get some stuff like it makes like a, like a charge, charge up sound, and then that leads into the verse. That's right, yeah. Um, um, the guitar cool. solo on this is a combo between Westerns and James Bond. 
you got to get a little mo- a little theatrical, which is to say cinematic. On this. Cinematic. Um, yeah. Uh, so the guitar solo, it kind of sounds similar to the original, but like they've slowed it down and like detuned it. Is yeah. that? Is that check out? Does that sound right to um, you? Um, let me see. I don't. I'm not sure about that. But no, I think. But yeah, it feels like it you certainly said. starts out there. Yeah, that's and what then, it's, it feels like at first, yeah. but it, it does have this feeling, like you said, Cowboy Bond. Cowboy Bond, because then that's like that doom, 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 doom. If you go, bow, bow, it even bow, does that. Yeah. then you're, you're in James Bond territory. Yeah, so it approaches that. So um, another kind of cool version. There's a lot of ones that are like, oh, it's got some cool stuff in it. It's made some cool sounds. And I mean, that's kind of what the original was about, right? Like it's cool sounds, yeah. It's, we we made these cool sounds. We wanted to make different sounds that we thought were cool, but we found these other ones, we and found we think these other like ones, them. and, and people did like them, and they did. You're right. And a Alex. lot of the covers just follow that. Yeah. My question to you is, if they had played the if the Yardbirds had played this version, Paul Mark and the Van Doren's version, do you think Aaron, Eric Clapton would have come back? It's a decent chance he never would have left. He never would have left. He said the blues. He's Thank had to God. join John Mayle and the Blues Breakers. Yeah. And then but he wouldn't have had to if they had just stuck with their blues rock. Jeez. It's a guys. funny conversation that was apparently happening around the time, because that's also kind of the Jethro Tull story. Like, they started as a blues rock trio, right. and then, like, one of the more prominent members left early on because they didn't want to just do blues rock anymore. <sighs> And then they became, like, you know, very different from that. Yeah. They became Jethro Tull. They became Jethro Tull. They're like, what if we have a bunch of flute in our songs? Yeah, that was when they started doing the flute stuff, so. Or no, was there flute? I think there's flute on the first album. Yeah. Anyway. Well. Alex, it's time to to break this down to our final categories. Give us our final verdicts. Yeah. We got three categories today. We got the worst version. The best version. And the version that would never make you sad. Who's who's got the best personal care? Who's gonna personal make you feel care. all right? Yeah, <laughs> Alex. Okay. What's the worst version of this? What's the worst version? <sighs> the worst version of this song probably goes to. Hmm. Well, I mean, going through all of them, most of them I kind of liked a bit. At mm. least. Um, but I do think it probably goes to Johnny Mansingers because I like the other ones more. Yeah, I'd say that checks out. It's it's either got to be Johnny Mann or Els Drax, and I don't think Els Drax deserves to be taken down like that. I still kind of liked their sounds, you know? Yeah, it's pretty decent. But yeah, the, the Johnny Mansingers is just like oldie moldy to me. I didn't man. even really it's dislike it. I know, because you just you're didn't softy. have as much interesting stuff going on. No, I, I, I was not ones. fond of it. So, yeah, definitely my worst easy choice. Alex, best version. Best version. I think my best version. I'm taking Rush. I, I, I can't have Rush on the possibilities list. Um, it's just too much for right. my brain to handle. Right. Um, but I think my best version is probably Chris Isaac. I really liked his take on it, and I liked his like weird, dark, sad cowboy thing. With you know, there's some slide guitar in there. There's some. There's a lot of echo and a little bit of that '80s sound. There's some cool stuff. I liked it. 
Yeah, I think a lot of great sounds on that one. I think in terms of who had a good sound and a good direction for the song as like a piece, it's got to be Peter Pan Speed Rock. Mm. There you go. Do you know why it's explicit that they swear in this one, or is it just the um, whole album? It's just because it's Dutch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not like, sure. I don't. We I have no idea what they're saying. We better just censor it. They're like, we better just censor it. They, they hear that voice, and they're like, I don't think kids should listen to that. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's, that's the best version of my books. Alex, who's not going to make you sad? You've entered into a loving relationship with one of these people. Who's not going to have to sing this song because they've got a heart full of soul and will never make you sad? The artists themselves? Yes, the artists themselves. The entire, uh, the entire group of the Johnny Man singers, I would say. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to hold you up, lift you up. We're just, we're going to start a cult. Okay, yeah, sick. That's good. And I'll lead it so I won't be sad. <laughs> right, okay, good. That's yeah. even better, yeah. They'll be called the, the Alex Milled singers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Johnny Man died years ago. <laughs> yeah, so you, can, they're just, you can take over. They're just the singers now. That's fair. They'll need a new leader. Um, I would pick Rush, but Neil Peart died, and that makes me a bit sad. Yeah. So I'm going to go with, uh, let's see here. I'm going to go with, uh, you know what, Paul Mark and the Van Dorans. That's a big group, a lot of people to, the rotating, right? So, like, there's always going to be somebody to love me and care for me. Yeah. And, hey, they know some fun little musical tricks. Keep me entertained. Probably Maybe I can even become one of the Van Dorans. Maybe you can even become Paul Mark. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, <laughs> get in there. Because, you know, like Kiss. <laughs> You'll, yeah, you'll take the Paul Mark role in the band. I'll kiss my way in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should do it. That should do the trick. That, do it. Uh, that does it for our final verdicts. If you've got a similar opinion, different opinion, want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise guy. That's me. Th- that's you, at some Alex Wise. Sorry, there was like a, a strange noise. There was a I, I want to say a dumpster fire, but more of a dump truck fire outside my building. Ah. So I think they're still dealing with some of the, the aftermath of that. It's pretty wild. Um, but yeah. yeah, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Crest, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can also email those to us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are sold, you can find us there. Um, and you know, get the word out. Tell your friends, neighbors, enemies, anyone, anyone you meet. Tell them about us. It's like, hey, we'll give it a listen, and then tell them to go rate and review us, and to tell their friends. And then eventually, everybody's going to know about the podcast. It's a social experiment. Will that convince you guys to do it? Let's do it. It's for science. Um, and that does it for today's episode to cover me. And as we always say, uncover me. And if she says to you she don't love me, just give her my message. Tell her of cover me.